everyone and welcome to Iris Interviews. So today you're listening to A Leader's Impact and this is our podcast channel for business executives, small business owners, managers and anyone interested in what's going on in the world of business. So I'm Beth Flanagan and I joined Iris a short little while ago after successfully starting, growing and subsequently selling my accounting practice. Today I am so excited, I'm really, really excited because I'm going to be talking all about what it means to be a woman in business and I've got the amazing Alona with me as well. So hi Alona. Hi Bev, how are you? So excited to be here. Hi everyone. It's always lovely to spend time with you Alona. So firstly, what I want to say a little something is maybe controversial. So do you think we're okay talking about the subject women in business? I mean, some forums think that, you know, building communities of professional women are absolutely amazing. And personally, they've been really, really valuable to me, you know, going back when I was in business myself. But I can't help feeling a little bit sorry for the male population because they don't really have anything like this, do they? What's your thoughts on that? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. We all talk about diversity and inclusion and then you think maybe we're excluding the men. So maybe we should call this men in business. I don't know, don't don't know about the sound of that. But honestly, um, let's just say that I guess what we will speak about today are challenges that we all face as humans, as brothers, sisters, mothers, daughters, uh, fathers, sons, etc., and business people. So uh, we're all all humans at the end of the day, and we all have our challenges and commitments to um, go up the career ladder and be successful. Um, So let's say it's for everyone today, and everyone's got something to learn on their behalf or on behalf of one of their male or female uh, people in their network. 100%, 100%. But we may sway a little bit towards women, just because we're both women ourselves. <laughs> we're both women, A yes. little bit, yeah. So we, we personally know a lot about this subject, right? <laughs> do, so do you think, Alona, that women have a different mindset? I'm all about mindset, me. I'm a very positive person. You know, if, I'm, if you are positive, you put that out there, the message that you are a positive person, you bring the positivity back. Do you think mindset... When it comes to work and progression, do you think that women do have a little bit of a different mindset? Uh, you know, for for example, in the way they handle applying for jobs. I, I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all different, aren't we? And our, it's our differences that um, that make us what we are and make us amazing in our own right. And I do think, on the whole, without trying to generalise, uh, women um, like to be. A, you know, perfect. I think that they expect things to be just so. Uh, We've got a high bar. I'm not saying men don't have a high bar, but on a generalistic way, if we look at, for example, a a job spec, um, studies would show that a man would look at um, a spec for a role and if there are 10 things that have been listed for that role and maybe they can do six out of 10, they say, I can do six out of 10, I'll apply. Whilst the woman uh, will want to take eight or nine out of ten and even then she will go but I can't do one or two of these things so maybe I'm not going to apply and we can agree or disagree with those things and we can say why is that and the reality is that's what happens and we just need to be aware of it and if we are aware of it then we can make sure that we make that process a lot easier so at Iris for example we talk a lot about making sure that our job adverts are gender neutral uh, not only in terms of whether you know you're expecting a he or she and the right pronouns that you use for the role uh, but most importantly because that's just the basic requirement most importantly in really looking at those things that you think you need for a role I always encourage people to say do you really need 
this bucket list? Is it really so important that you list all of those things out? Find out what are the three, four, five things you really need and go for those. And even then, um, make sure that you, you word them in the right way so that you are encouraging people to apply and you're not putting people off. So, for example, instead of saying must have 10 years worth of experience, I would stay away for any, uh, you know, any amount of years or anything like that, because then you're moving into the ageism category. Um, I would actually question whether you need to say must have experience of or have ability to because I think if you say ability, then you are being inclusive because as humans, we all have, if we want to, ability to learn or teach ourselves something. So if you are seeking for ability, then you are going to encourage more diversity in that pipeline and in, in the topic we're discussing today, hopefully more women, because as I mentioned at the start, if a woman looks at something and it says, must have done this, if she hasn't done it, she might not put herself forward and we want more women to apply because if we have more diversity at the pipeline that's how we get more success rate in recruitment and then more diversity in the workplace. I think you're definitely correct there Ilona. Myself personally I am a bit of a perfectionist as well and if I was applying for a job and it says must have 10 years experience and I'd only got eight or nine I may not apply for that because you know yeah. I'm a perfectionist and it says 10 if it says 10 I need 10 so yeah I think that's that's really good to, to look at it that way as well um but but moving on then to, to imposter syndrome I mean this is massive we could have a session on this all by itself couldn't we really imposter syndrome <laughs> I definitely have it I think I think most people have a bit of imposter syndrome. Whether they admit it or not is another, di you know, that's a different thing. Uh, but I think I think we all have a little bit of it at the time that you know, and especially this day and age with social media, and you can see your peers and you know um, competitors in a way, or other people that are sort of this doing the same as you, and you think, wow, look at them, they're doing absolutely brilliant. I'm not doing that, so I'm I'm not as good I'm not as good as that person. And I think that that does apply to a lot of people. Do you think that is the same for men and women as well? Obviously, in reality, we speak about imposter syndrome more as something that women display than men. Personally, I think it's normal to feel a little bit like a duck out of water, right? I, you know, a swan on the outside, inside the water, really thinking, oh my God, what's going, here? What's going on here? I think as humans, we're always learning and if we don't feel like we don't know the answers to everything or how the hell did I make it to here? Oh my God, is this by luck or do I really deserve it? Then then you'd end up with arrogant leaders, wouldn't you? If you really didn't ever question yourself as to how you got somewhere, whether yeah. it was by design or by luck. So I do think that actually um, there is a bit of humility attached to imposter syndrome. So. I don't mind being honest about it. I have it, or a lot of people have it. I think people should have it. I think it keeps you on your toes. It makes you actually wonder, you know, do I need to, to try harder? Do I need to do something different and, and not get complacent? Because you must never get complacent. You must have that hunger in paradise. And I think personally, everybody has it. I think that some of us display differently. Us women can be more open sometimes, you know. Um, we, uh, we talk a lot more. Uh, we come across more emotional uh, and so maybe we're just more open about it but my guess is that everybody has it and it's probably quite healthy to have some of it as wrong as it's at the right dose because actually uh, it keeps you growing it keeps you questioning it keeps you curious and that's all really good and I think for me the difference between men and women that I have witnessed is that men 
maybe come across a lot more confident in certain situations. If they don't know the answer, they might not be so open about not knowing the answer. So they, their stance is more confident and therefore we assume that they're not having these feelings inside them, whilst women are maybe more open books and more transparent. I am generalizing here, by the way, before anybody throws anything at me, but my experience of dealing with men and women is that men just have that uh, confidence a little bit more than women do, and therefore we assume that they don't have the same doubts and, and, and insecurities, but we're all human, aren't we? Exactly. And just, just to point out, yeah, th- these views are mine and Alona's personal views, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, um, no, um, d- definitely, I totally agree with you there. And I-, I think imposter syndrome is one of those things that people look on negatively and it shouldn't be. It should be a positive thing. We all do have it, whether we admit it or not, like you say, and, and we should flip that on its head to think, right, I'm going to use this to, to my advantage and, you know, make myself better in an area that I think I'm, I'm falling down on or something like that. So yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think the more the more we talk about it, I think the better it is. I think, you know, we, we must all 100%. remember that with social media, to your point, there is sort of a, a vision or an image of what somebody's life is like. And then there is the reality, right? And we all, we've all been there. Yeah. And our real life is not the Instagram version or the Facebook version that yeah. we show people, right? Uh, so, and that's, and, and, and to your point earlier, you sometimes uh, look through social media, look at your competitors, your peers, etc., and you go, oh my God, that person is really good. I'm not sure if I'm as good as them. But the reality is you're seeing an image of what they are as opposed mm. to the the real person, the same way as we portray a certain image on our social medias. And I think personally yeah. that COVID, in particular for me, was really good um, at um, actually humanizing all of us and m- making us you know, connect with each other in a different way, because we had to, uh, and actually um, displaying vulnerability as a strength. I felt that when I led our business through COVID. I was a new CEO at the time. Obviously, it was really difficult, like very difficult for everybody else. I thought I felt that the more human I was, the more I talked about the fact that I was going through difficult time as well. The more the more I showed my vulnerability, the stronger I became as a leader and as the CEO that people wanted to hear from because then they could connect. Uh, with my experience and their experience and you know leaders aren't born to be put on a pedestal uh, because in my in my mind as I said earlier that's how arrogant leaders are born you know we have got to be relatable to people and actually talking about imposter syndrome I think is really important because just saying we all have it even the people that come across as really confident to other people just saying we all have it means that hopefully we can you know inspire many people have it to go actually this is normal this isn't just me so talking about it i think is an inspirational thing and it helps us break down that unconscious bias that we all carry i was just exactly gonna say that uh reiterate that point that you know you you mentioned about yourself having it through covid and whether you like this or not alona people really look up to you including myself um, <laughs> and you know and if people can see that you were a little bit vulnerable and you were you know you were okay and open and honest talking about it people that would inspire people to think oh if alona's uh, feeling that and i'm feeling that so it must be okay and i'm doing okay so 
everything's good. So yeah, definitely. I look um, up to you, by the way. Have I embarrassed you now? Have I embarrassed you? I just you? said I look up to you, so there you go. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that from you, definitely. So this one might be a little controversial. Are you ready? Go on then. <laughs> so, I never know what you're going to ask, Bev, but I expect anything from you. I know, I know, you. I know. <laughs> Women often talk about being disproportionately being affected by juggling family life with a professional life. And, you know, that's really real. And, you know, that is yeah. that is true. But, you know, this day and age, uh, more than half the families now having both parents working full time. Do you see that men are also having this juggle that, that sort of women are, are, are constantly saying and, and seeing online that we can see around and everything? I think so. I, I mean... I think the world is moving on, right? I mean, women are themselves biggest critics. And I think that um, society traditionally um, had set certain roles to be women roles and then certain roles to be uh, male roles, right? And and our uh, sort of natural role historically has been that of nurturing, whether that is for our children, whether that is for the elderly, you know, our, our, our parents, etc. Um, so, um, do I think we have moved on to 50-50? 100% now. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think that um, sometimes I mentioned, even you know, as a mother of two boys myself, even though I myself have decided to um, you know, focus on my career as well as make sure that I can be the best mum I can be and best wife and daughter, etc., I-, I notice um, you know, the, the bias uh, when I speak to other people who haven't chosen the same career path as me and I feel judged and I have to feel okay with that. I've got to, I've made my peace and I've made my decision and it is what it is and, and, and I'm proud of the decision that I've made. So I think that bias in society does exist and it does exist more for, for men and women. Uh, but I am seeing um, green shoots, you know, I think speaking as a woman CEO, um, I'm really, really lucky to to have a husband that supports me. And, you know, I think it's very difficult to find somebody that is so unselfish that they can put somebody else's career ahead of theirs. And historically, that role has been the other way around, right? You've had male CEOs and you've had wives supporting their careers and looking after the children and the home. And whether we like it or not, that support is needed. I don't think we can live in a world where we can absolutely have it all. I've said this very openly. We're only human. Nobody can have it all. We can't be on top of everything, right? We can have, you know, personally, I have days where I'm a great CEO. I have days where I'm a great mom and wife. And sometimes I have days where I'm, you know, great at all of those things, but not every day. And you've just got to admit that. And I always say in order to succeed, you have got to make compromises and you've got to choose what are you willing to negotiate on and what's the non-negotiables and those are different for all of us and in doing so you've got to build around you a fantastic support network and for me my support network are my friends my family my in-laws and my husband you know he's had to move part-time to support our family because yes you can have both of you working full-time but there are children involved in our case as well and of course, you can pay nannies for that, but you also make a different decision as a family, which is each family have to make their own about whether you want your nannies bringing up the kids or whether you want to bring up the kids. And then when they get to a certain age, 
they need you more. You know, teenage years are, they come with their own challenges, etc. So each family is different. Each family needs support. And if you are going to succeed and one of your careers succeeds more than the other, then the other person, whether that's male or female, if they are unselfish enough to be able to support you, then I think you're very, very, very lucky. And it shouldn't matter whether that is the, the male or the female in, in the family. And I'm seeing a lot more, certainly a lot more people at Iris um, wanting to have paternity leave and wanting to have more than the usual uh, two weeks, which I think is, is amazing. As I said, me personally, I've benefited from my husband, um, you know, spending a lot of time with the kids and putting my career ahead of his. Uh, and uh, so it's great to see because we all need help. Um, to succeed we're all human and we all need, need network to support us yeah 100% and, and our stories are quite similar there then Alona I didn't uh, know that bit and maybe you don't know this about me but obviously <laughs> I, I was the CEO of my own business for 17 years and, and yeah. that's exactly what happened in, in, in my relationship so my husband worked part-time because I did more hours brought more money in so we had to adjust our family life for that and it worked perfectly and I've got a full support of my husband too but yeah back in the days that would have maybe be even been frowned upon and and you know and I do think that there was that stereotype and uh, stereotypical family situation wasn't it the, the man goes to work the woman stays at home she has the kids she's in the kitchen now yep. let me tell you I don't even know. I don't know. I don't even know how to turn my oven on or iron. Never mind anything else. So that's definitely changing my. My husband does everything. It might be because I don't do it right. That's another subject. But but yeah, to, I, to, I totally agree with you there. You know, this day and age, men, women, we're all we're all equal. Um, you know, it's 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 the way of the world, and that's how it should be. Definitely, and each each family life, each work life, it's all different, and it's all a bespoke situation and whatever it is it's you're a team aren't correct. you you're a team and that's it and if both of you exactly have to put your careers first then then you, you get your team even bigger and you do reach out to those um grandparents etc etc to help out right but uh, i've got to say that yeah. um completely agree with you with history i think we have a long way to go to uh, you know, break down the myth of what we should be and what our role is in society. But I think that there are a lot of green shoots and talking about it uh, becomes quite important. I mean, just you and me talking about it now, I didn't know uh, that your situation was very similar, right? And and there's lots of other families in the same situation. So um, it's great to see that men want to take that that active role um, in society as as active parents and supporters of their amazing wives, right? So... Um, exactly and that stereotype just needs to not be a stereotype it needs to go away completely I, I do think it's nearly there but even even on another subject that um well it's the same subject but but regarding kids that people think oh yeah you're a woman you should have kids I mean I'm in my 40s I don't have children um and you know sometimes if you say that to people I think that's one of the things sometimes when you meet a stranger and yeah. it's like oh how are you are you married where do you live what do you do how many kids have you got none <laughs> and then you see the face and you think well, you don't know my background or my situation, and I'm not going to no. go into that now. But you, with with not, I don't mean on this podcast, but I mean the the person that I don't even know in front of me. So, but they're already judging you already, if you know what I mean. And it's like, no, 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 that's my life, my situation. Let's move on to the next question. I agree, <laughs> but and it's still that stereotype there, isn't it? I agree, and I I mean I obviously talk about kids because we've got two boys. Um, but I always say to people when it comes to your career, you you, you need to still find a way to have 
the most or what you choose to can, you know, through negotiating those negotiables and non-negotiables, etc. And it doesn't have to be like for me, it's the kids, but it can be a hobby, right? It can be a pet. It can be, um, you know, people love running marathons and it can be anything you want. You can't like, let your career completely take over to the point that you have absolutely yeah. no life. And how much you decide to give up and give in, that's up to you. Um, but making space for those things that matter to you is really important. Yeah. Otherwise, it turns that's into important. resentment and nobody wants that. Exactly. Right? So, um, so that's key. But no, talking about the women's role, I mean, have we moved on enough? We absolutely haven't, clearly, because um, very <laughs> recently we had uh, the resignation of New Zealand's PM, Jacinda Ardern. And, you know, yeah. she's a role model for me. Um, amazing. She was amazing during COVID, somebody I looked up to. And um, and the BBC, when, when she resigned, made a point of... Um, putting something in the title like oh can women have it really have it all after all etc yeah, and I, I just that, thought yeah. on a personal level I thought it was actually quite sexist because mm. um like like I just said Jacinda has been very open about the fact that um having all of it is not possible for any human right not for women not for men for anybody it's going to be really really difficult and at some point in time you compromise and at some point in time you make a choice and if she made a choice that her family her well-being was more important at this point in time than her career that's her choice that's not her saying yeah. I can't have it or she clearly was having part of what she wanted to have she just decided this bit yeah. was more important and that's fantastic you know we, we talk about careers like they're only at a certain bar. Everybody's got their own level of what, what perfect looks like. And she reached that of what she wanted to do. And right now she's choosing to put her well-being first. And that's brilliant. So why can't we celebrate that? Why does that have to be seen as a failure when it was her choice to do so? Um, so anyway, for me, it was a great indicator that clearly the society hasn't moved on. Um, although I do know BBC yeah. went and changed the title afterwards. But um we're Good. only going to break barriers <laughs> if we talk about things. And uh, there was a lot of backlash, which is great to see. So clearly there, there were other people other than me that felt insulted um, that that's how her decision was portrayed. Exactly. I was just going to say, yeah, it's her decision at the end of the day. So, yeah, so, so glad that they did go back and uh, change that. I think, I think we'd all agree, though, that candidates um, should be selected for job roles based on the principles of meritocracy, yeah. based on the talent, the effort and the achievement. How do you think, Alona, that we can ensure that this happens in the workplace? I am really a massive advocate of meritocracy because particularly being one of the only women around the board table for many long years, I, you know, I want us to get better DNI metrics because women are amazing and they deserve to be what they be and they deserve to be at the top. and actually uh, we are going to make better businesses and better decisions by having diversity at the table that's why we talk about diversity but nobody nobody wants to be just a tick in the box so nobody wants to achieve diversity at the expense of talent uh, you know no woman yeah. um uh, wants to sit around the table and think that she got the job because she was competing against three men and they wanted to tick their dni metrics so I think mm. that's really, really important that we separate the two and we believe that DNI is important and because it makes for better businesses and we need to get to true DNI through meritocracy. Um, I think meritocracy 
is the absolutely the right thing. Sometimes I think um, we need to make sure that we put a system in place where true meritocracy can exist. And to do that, then you go back to what I was talking earlier around making sure that you are gender agnostic in the way that you give opportunities that work, that you open up roles in the way that you hire people, um, that you talk about ability to have something, that you are aware. If you want true meritocracy and true diversity, then you can't hide behind it. And I think that's the risk. The risk is that some people might say, okay, so we're going to do it based on merit and I've got some OKRs in front of me and I'll tick this OKRs and oops, this man, you know, scored higher than this woman, so I'm going to give it to the man. I think in um, driving for true meritocracy, you also have to have um, an awareness. You also have to be aware that women act differently to men and therefore, if you really want to reach for it, you have got to make sure that you've removed bias from your OKRs, yeah. from your decision making, from your promotions and everything else. Otherwise, we are not going to uh, to get there. So instead of sort of being gender neutral, I would say you need to be gender aware. I don't know if I'm making yeah, sense. But definitely. I find no, you a lot are of, definitely. Yeah, I find a lot of people say, I don't know why we're talking about women. By talking about women, mm. we're putting, putting them in the spotlight and, and acting as if they're not equal to men. Of course we're equal, we're all equal, why are we talking about it? The reality is we're talking about it because whilst we might be equal, there is unconscious bias built in all of us, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. And whilst at a human level we are equal, our paths clearly aren't the same. There is a reason why only 9% of the CEOs in FTSE 100 today are women. So mm -hmm. clearly, whilst we should be equal, our opportunities haven't been equal. So instead of just being gender yeah. neutral, just that and go, I've removed any bias from my from my recruitment, you've got to be a bit more than that. You've got to be gender aware. And if you want true yeah. meritocracy, you've got to put your sh yourself in the in the shoes of that person that's applying and go, how would they look at this? And what do I need to yeah. do to make sure that there is genuine 50-50 chance of this person mm -hmm. and this person both winning, that I have not, um, through my unconscious bias, made it easier for one person to the other. Even if I think I've made it equal, what I haven't yeah. thought about is those particular characteristics that might disadvantage one group from another group, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, totally. And I think as business leaders, we all must be open-minded about where we look for staff. You know, rapid learners make exceptional managers and directors, and that's regardless of background or gender. So, you know, we all need that diversity of experience. And, you know, going on from that, I've heard recently about, and I think you know about this, because I think we've chatted about it in the past, blind interviews. Yes, yes. <laughs> 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 I didn't know about this until you mentioned it to me before. I'd not heard of it and I was so intrigued. What's blind interviews? So should, should we chat a little bit about that? Because oh, I think can. this is amazing, to be honest. I actually found out about it the first time at a business dinner. And I was sitting next to see of another business and they mentioned it. And then two other people in the same table of 10 also mentioned it. And I thought, God, where have I been until now? But it is a little, maybe I described it like this. It's a little bit like the voice, isn't it? Where you are absolutely judging somebody on their talent and their fit for what you are looking for, uh, as opposed to anything else. Uh, because as I said, whether we like it or not, we do have subconscious bias that is built within us from where we've come from, the people we work with, 
the influences around us, it, it exists, right? Positive and negative, and you need bias in life because you need to be to have an opinion. Yeah. But I think with blind interviews, what's really important is that it removes um, the opportunity for your unconscious bias to make a decision that is, um, mm. you know, aligned to your bias as opposed to um, actually making sure that the right person got the job. So how it works. Exactly. In simple terms, because we don't do it at Iris, but I, I think we should. How it works in simple terms is that, for, particularly for the first stages of the interviews, you remove any information from the CVs that could cause bias, like age, mm -hmm. like gender, even education, university mm -hmm. education, because let's face it, you don't need to have a, a uni degree to do a job, right? Um, you remove a location where they, you know, where they live, address, because you might have a bias around, I don't know, lovely people coming from Yorkshire or something like that, or Albania. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> we're all lovely in Yorkshire. Oh, we're all lovely <laughs> in Albania. <laughs> we're lovely in Albania, yes. despite what the news say. Do not watch the movie yeah. Taken. We're not all like that. But honestly, so so by, by removing those things, then you are genuinely yeah. judging the person on what they can bring to the table. Now, there's always gonna be a fine balance between removing too much, right? Uh, because um, mm -hmm. because obviously they need to be able to demonstrate they've got the skills to have the job. And if you remove too much, yeah. you might run the risk of discounting that particular person from applying in the first place. Yeah. But um, it, it works really well in the first stages of interviews when you're pre-screening. Uh, and then obviously in the later stages, then you would meet the person. You'd have it by phone call as well. Um, so that um, you wouldn't see what they looked like. There is a question. A camera. Yeah. There is a question about accent. You, you and I both have uh, wonderful accents. So oh, well, whether, I have to try and put a posh accent on. Whether them. people like those or not, I don't know. But um, um, I think it's quite an interesting idea. And I think, look, does it fully work? I don't know. It's clearly a, a step in the right direction. And I think that. You know, we can't just talk about DNI. We can't just talk about the fact that there is mm. not enough representation. It's not just about men and women. We we both know that, right? I mean, yeah, DNI is far wider. Yeah. So we have to, unless we take certain steps, and some might work better than others, we are not going to improve um, diversity at the table. So doing things like blind mm. interviews, are they 100% successful? Probably not. But it's better than doing nothing at mm -hmm. all, isn't it? So for me, exactly. I am a big uh, supporter of doing anything that, means that proactively we are trying to improve diversity at the table. Definitely. And I was just so intrigued when you first told me about it. Like you said, it can't be just that blind interviews on its own. Maybe it's just a first selection and things like that that companies could introduce. But I was very interested. And please, Alona, if we do it at Iris, please get those big swivel chairs like they get on The Voice with the <laughs> buttons that you click. <laughs> We could literally talk all day, couldn't we? But we have got to stop at some point. But I just wanted to finally finish with Ilona's top 10 tips. Now, I've heard you say this before at an event. And I think that our listeners of this podcast would also really love to listen to your top 10 tips, if you don't mind. Wow. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, I'm going to rattle through these. Sorry, you're going listen, to be listening to me for a few more minutes longer. But um, uh, for me... The first thing to say really is that there is no uh, magic button uh, to get up the ladder. It, it sounds like a cliche, but it's just all about working hard. Uh, you know, you make your own luck. The harder the work, the luckier you get. But um, you want mm -hmm. the job because you deserve it. And 
the only way to get there is to really uh, love it, be passionate about it and give it your all and hard work. Get stuck in. Absolutely. (laughs) Hard work for me uh, pays off any day of the week far more than than, than sort of natural talent uh, because through hard work you can get very, very far and with talent of no hard work you're not going to get very far. So that's number one. Number two, you have got to get noticed and as I said earlier, typically my experience has been that men come across more confident and more visible. They're more likely to put their hand up even if they feel like they're not sure if they can do something. They back themselves to do it more. Uh, that's been my experience of it. Obviously, not everybody is the same. So I do want women to, to, to be able to do the same. And I think it is important to get noticed. And if you're not uh, courageous enough, if you like, to, to just put yourself out there, then make sure that you structurally get involved um, in a plan or a project that is cross-functional because being noticed means that other people from other departments get to see you and what you can do and then somebody in the kitchen goes, oh yeah, isn't that person great? And that um, unsolicited feedback, it's really, really important. So if you don't have the courage to do it, go to your manager and say, I want to be part of a cross-group project and then represent your group and then that way you're being seen by other people outside of your division function because to be a leader your impact has got to be horizontal and across the group, not yeah. just vertical in the area of your expertise. It's really important that you, you, you have broad impact. Um, the third thing... That's a little bit like me then, isn't it? Sorry to interrupt. Yes. No, but of like, course. As soon as I no, started please. at Iris, because within two weeks, I'm like, all right, I'm getting my job done. Yeah, that's fine. Right, Ilona, I want to interview you. Okay, let's mm. get it sorted then. But, you know, I, I instigated that because I wanted to do it and, you know... Absolutely. And, and, and I think that and here we are, <laughs> as I said, sometimes, you know, I mean, you're like a massive inspiration, Bev. Um, so I wish more people had the guts to do Says that. Says the CEO so, of Iris. Says the, the CEO of Iris. <laughs> I wish more people had the guts to do it and be so proactive. But as you said to me on a text the other day when you'd asked another um, really uh, amazing role model of a woman, uh, I can't name her, but yes. somebody who I absolutely love. She and will adore. be on another one soon. Uh, <laughs> you said to me, I've asked her, I thought, and then you said, you don't ask, you don't get. And I was like, absolutely, 100%. Exactly. Uh, and what I'm saying That's my to, motto. <laughs> uh, and what I'm saying to, to everybody out there is, if you really don't have that confidence, then find a different way. Don't just give up and go, I'm not like that, I can't ask. Just ask your manager to put you in a project yeah. or something and then you're in it because you were put in it. And then you will still make an impact. There are ways to do it, even yeah. if you don't have the full confidence to, to be like Bev. But be like Bev if you can. because that's, that's <laughs> Be good. like Bev. Hashtag be like Bev. I know. Be like Bev should be my number 11 or my number zero at the start. Um, oh, wow. That would be brilliant. So number three, uh, stay true to yourself. I spoke about that. But yeah. It is important to choose a business that loves you or accepts you or supports you or wants to grow you because you are amazing and just the way you are and then wants to highlight your strengths more and put the spotlight on what you can bring to the table. Um, That's why it's important. That's why Iris, I want to make sure we created an environment where people can be themselves because then they will really succeed. If your business is making you be different or if you're having to conform to a culture that, you know, moral compass is not the same, you don't feel accepted, then you've got to walk away. You are not going to succeed in an environment like that. So choose wisely uh, because that's really, uh, really important. And being you is the secret to success. It's not copying somebody else. So find an environment where you can be you. 
Um, number four, again, I spoke about this earlier, but you have got to accept that you can't have it all. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we can't be the best at everything. There is only 24 hours in the day, and eight of them, hopefully, ideally, should be for sleeping. There should be some to watch some, you know, TV and all of that. There's time for your family, time for your friends, time for your hobbies, time to work. And so um, you have got to choose what matters to you. I think you can have most of what matters to you. Be really ruthless with that list and go, this matters, this doesn't matter. Me personally, I don't do drop-offs and pickups, for example, uh, for school, mm -hmm. uh, but I will go to the nativity play or whatever sort yeah. of important things kids are doing at any cost, right? There is nothing that's gonna stop me from doing it because I'm not a surgeon. I don't have a patient in my operating table, nobody's dying, and you know about these things well in advance. So that's what I choose. And, and then I yeah. really, really passionately make sure that I protect those things and I don't give up on those things that matter to me. Because if you give up on those, then you will be resentful, and that's not good. And, you know, for, for you it could be... Or for other people, it could be spa something day. completely different. Exactly, a spa day. If you think, I want to have a spa day twice or three times a month, whatever, they, I don't really know, then nope, and you put that in. <laughs> it doesn't matter what meetings yeah, come on that day. Happen. You can't cancel it. So I think that's the, that's the important thing. Ac accept what you, that you can't have it all, but figure out what you really want. Be at peace that that's mm -hmm. what you're going to have, and then be absolutely... Um, you know, like a like a tigress to really, really, really protect tigress. those things and not give them up. Mm -hmm. um, number five, own your seat and back yourself. This speaks to confidence, particularly as I mentioned earlier about women. We have imposter syndrome. We sit there going, God, do I really deserve to be here? Stop all that. Mm -hmm. Nobody gave you the job because they wanted to tick. I really don't believe that, right? Nobody gave you the job yeah. because they were doing you a favor. It doesn't work like that. Businesses grow yeah. and businesses invest their money wisely and they want people at the table who can make the right decisions. So that's why you're on the seat. So own it, feel pretty comfortable because you're gonna be in it for a while or you might change it for, for a bigger seat. But uh, you know, back yourself and speak up, have an opinion because that's why you're there. So don't worry all those other things um, going through your head to, you know, don't, don't, don't let anybody knock your confidence because particularly somebody else's arrogance. I mean, there's nothing, mm -hmm. uh, I, I find that quite off-putting um, when people's confidence uh, borders on arrogance. By the time it gets to arrogance, yeah. then, then, then yeah. that's not good. So, uh, so don't let yeah, somebody good. else's arrogance make you go, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. I don't think so. You are plenty good enough. Yeah. Um, number six, build a support network around you uh, so that you can help yourself and you make sure that you feel comfortable asking for help because if you don't ask for help then back to you can't have it all and it's going to be really really difficult so uh, ignore your pride if somebody wants to come and cook your mm -hmm. casserole then make sure that they do or somebody wants to help you with babysitting and all of that stuff uh, have a great support um support group around you i've got uh, a great support of mums as well that I can go to um, if if I needed some help with the boys. So that's really important. A uh, couple of other things: uh, find a way to unwind. You all need uh, time to uh, relax. You know, like a computer, you switch it off. You when you switch it on again, it seems it seems to work magically. Uh, it's the same for us humans. Uh, we need some time out, so that's really important. Um, a great mentor. 
I think it's really key as well um, because, um, you know, we all need to learn from somebody. And my advice would be to find someone that is just maybe two or three years ahead of you, so not sort of light years ahead of you, and somebody who's really uh, walked in your shoes and and faced the same challenges and, and has overcome them so you can genuinely get... Uh, proper advice and experience don't pick somebody that's already on some pedestal because then that becomes a bit unreachable if I'm honest so I think that's really really important and you can find mentors through all paths of life Um, and I've got a few of them uh, and I'm very lucky and and really the final thing to say is help others uh, because that's how we make a difference and um, Madeline O'Bright said there is a special place in health for women who don't support other women and I really really stand by that um, I think that we can make a real difference if we all spread the word and if we all help each other because I don't want to be called a female CEO anymore it'd be just nice if they said I was the CEO of Iris and it wasn't such a big thing yeah. to be female and that would be um, a great a great day Oh, that's so lovely to, to leave on that, isn't it? Like, help each other. I think that's that's a perfect quote to to end on. And be this more like Beth. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> and she got close to the mic to say that as well. <laughs> we'll definitely start that hashtag. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Alona. Like, this has been amazing. And I know to all our listeners that are listening to this, a lot of the stuff will resonate to them. And I know you've been a massive help. Uh, so thank you so much Alana again and thank you everybody for listening in today we've also got a plethora of other podcasts on our channel so if you found this valuable please 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 do hit that subscribe button and don't forget to seek us out on all our other usual social media platforms once again Alona thanks so much for this thank you so much thank you thank you